you're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Well, just some review as as we've been... uh, doing over the last several weeks. And really, again, this has been a study that we've been doing going on almost nine months now that we've been in this study. Um, really excited about this on two things, prayer and worship. And we just started the worship portion of it in, uh, in January. Uh, for those listening and those in here, every, all of these lessons are on Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud, anywhere you can listen to a podcast, you can find our sermons. But we've been in this process of discussing worship and what worship truly is. And we know that worship is not simply praise. It's not what we do before the sermon on Sundays. Praise is found within worship. Worship is not found within praise because worship is the way we live our life. It's the sacrifice of myself. Worship is the abandonment of self in pursuit of him. And worship is obedience to the word of God to the things that he says, to the things that he dictates. My life laid down, a living sacrifice. We'll read that in Romans 12 in a little bit. A living sacrifice is a spiritual offering of worship. This is what we know to be true. What we talked about last week is this reality that worship is praise. Again, like I just said, and praise is found in a life of worship. And the really cool thing that we began to discuss last week and we're going to build upon this week is that praise, what we do on Sundays... Uh, that's what we do. We do it corporately, but we're also meant to do it individually, right? And the, the desire to see anything happen corporately must first happen individually. If you desire to see freedom break out in our praise and worship time here, there's got to be freedom that breaks out when you're praising the Lord on your own, right? It says that David danced naked unto the Lord. And what did the Lord say about him? He was a man after his own heart. There are deep things to be discovered in praise to God because praise is a navigational tool through the spirit and through the heart of God. It allows us and positions us in a place of revelation to where we can receive new things, greater understanding and clarity on the things that the Lord is doing. Praise is a navigational tool through the spirit and the heart of God. And just look at it. There's so many examples in worship songs. Why would there be so many worship songs if praise is not a navigational tool through the heart of God? All of these things, there are a lot of songs that talk about the same thing, but it's all, they're all uniquely different. We used to talk about this. Um, I was a part of uh, uh, praise and worship. I've been a part of praise and worship since I was uh, a freshman in high school. Got to do it a little bit in college. And we would often talk about how fascinating it was that with seven notes, that's all there is, seven notes, the Lord has created the music that we know in the Western world. That's all that it's built on is is seven notes. Now there's scales and there's different things, but seven core notes has built everything that we've ever heard musically in the Western world, including praise. And it's always unique. It's always different because it's the heart of God. There, are, there is a reflection of revelation that, came, that comes uh, through praise and through pursuing the heart of God. People who are living unto him, submitted before him and being led by the spirit through his heart are these people that are writing these songs, unique and wonderful songs. Jay and Sarah have oftentimes written songs here in a season that this church is in that has been profound for us 
in, in the moment that we find ourselves in because it's brought revelation and clarity as to what the Lord is doing, as to what he's doing in our midst. Praise is meant to be a tool in which we are able to encounter and wade deeper into the heart of God. And the revelation that comes in praise brings understanding to the days ahead. For example, something that we know, and this is, I, I talk, I've talked about this a lot since Carrie uh, just stood up here and released that vision to us of what the Lord has said. But I can't leave it because it's one of those, it's, it's the rock on the shore in which you build your house upon. It has brought such profound understanding as to what the Lord is trying to call us into through personal pursuit, personal praise, breaking the ground open. This was Carrie's vision. And this just came. If you'll remember at, when she presented it, where did this vision come? Where did this revelation come that would bring understanding not only to where the Lord has us, but would also bring understanding as to what happened in Asbury, what's happening across our nation and across the world? Personal pursuit has broken the ground and the Lord has rushed in. His light has consumed the ground that has been broken up and he's creating oases in these places where revival and things are breaking out of the spirit. But where did Carrie receive this? She received it in a hotel room, getting ready for a conference, singing and praising the Lord. In her praise, the Lord brought great and powerful revelation that has now given us understanding in which to stand upon in the days ahead and the days that we've already gone through in the last few weeks. It came through a moment of praise, released revelation and understanding to the body for what was to come. Think of also this. This has been a, a foundational thing for me as well. The song, the blessing that came out so perfectly came out right before the pandemic hit, happened. Profound. And that was, that was meant to be an anchor for the people of God when everything began to shake, that we would have a solid foundation in which to stand upon, that the Lord has no desire to have led us here to abandon us now, but He has only further and greater blessing in store for us, and not just for us, for the generations and generations and generations that will come from us. Blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon blessing. The Lord speaking it over us before we entered some of the darkest days that we've ever lived in. It is the darkest days I've ever lived in as, as a member of this society. I've, I've never experienced anything darker. And the Lord puts this song upon people's hearts who are pursuing him. It was a navigational tool that brought understanding, clarity, and peace in a time when it was most needed. The Lord releasing reassurance to his people and how he will bless and transform and release himself upon us. And he has, and we're seeing that day after day after day as the Lord is doing new things. The Lord did profound things. So, so often we have moments of revelation that come in this place of praise because praise is a navigational tool. This is the power of praise. But we discussed the definition last week uh, of praise. It's, this is a biblical definition. And I'll just, I'll just recite it for you if we, in case we've forgotten. Praise is the lifting of your whole self to him, recognizing that he alone is worthy of all of our, of our full worship and our full adoration. And I told you to remember that first line, the lifting of your whole self to him, the offering of all that you are, to all that he is. 
Proverbs 23, 26 says, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. Romans 12, 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as living sacrifice, a holy holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And now we're going to look at some more familiar passages that we've read several times, but we continue to go back to Luke 9, verse 23. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And now John 15, verse one, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. But if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. All of these passages speak to the offering of all of ourselves, of completely giving everything we are to him and not part of ourselves. There is nothing in scripture that encourages us to only offer a piece of our hearts to God, not a place. Is it justified? Is it acceptable? He condemns that very thing to offer a piece of ourselves and expect all of him. So much of this teaching tonight comes from this place and it's been this journey that I've been on over the last several weeks and it was a little bit before Carrie's vision and man oh man did it just intensify after Carrie released that vision but trying to understand the understanding that the Lord offers. So often in my experience and we talked about this a little bit Christians lack understanding. They lack understanding on what the Lord is doing. They lack understanding in, in how he's moving. And the difficult thing that's been, that it's been for me is so many people have just claimed that to be the sovereignty of God. And again, we've talked about this. That's lazy theology. To say, because I lack understanding, because I don't pursue the Lord, and this thing happens, oh, it's just the sovereignty of the Lord. My hands are clean, right? Washed away. This is Western Christianity in a nutshell. I get to be saved, do whatever I want, go to heaven. And everything that happens in between those things, sovereignty of the Lord. But last time I checked, and we discussed this on Sundays, the covenant that the Lord made with himself and he invited us into was that we could not only be invited into this covenant, invited into the kingdom, but we would be anointed as sons and daughters, co-heirs with Christ, so that when we speak, the kingdom of heaven moves because we are heirs to the throne, co-heirs with Christ and co-laborers with Christ, fellow intercessors with the Spirit and the Son before the Father. We, we gained importance through accepting an invitation. 
And it's important to realize that. And he also says that we are his hands and his feet. One of the things that I, I do in my spare time, most of you know this, I've been building an arena for what seems like 10 years. It's just been a year. It's just been a really long year. But that doesn't get done if my hands and feet don't get up and go to work. Nothing gets done. If, if my hands and feet don't show up, I'm not getting out of bed. And so it's important for us to recognize, as it says in, in Corinthians, that God is making his appeal through us and we are his hands and feet. We are the workmanship of Christ, like it says in Ephesians. We are meant to be living and active as the word is living and active, as the spirit is living and active. And so if we stand still and do nothing, nothing is what happens. And the kingdom of darkness gets to do whatever it wants. Because the children of God are silent and refuse to get involved. That's lazy theology. That's lazy theology. But anyway, so I began to ask the Lord about understanding and asked him just to teach me, okay, the understanding that you offer and the, the things that you're doing, do you act, does he actually offer understanding? Does it, right? An obvious answer, right? Of course. Why wouldn't he? But one thing that's important and I believe this is one of the, the keys to this because it gains in value when you do get understanding from the Lord is that the Lord does not owe us an explanation on what he's doing and the Lord does not owe us any help in understanding what he's doing. So when he brings understanding, like he did with Carrie's vision, I'm preaching a sermon for 40 minutes and Carrie gets up and basically says everything I'm trying to say in about three. It was the end of the sermon. I didn't need to say anything else. I just concluded. And then we would have the revival breakout and hear of the origin story and how this broke out and how it's breaking out across the globe, not just here in America, not just here in Texas, but worldwide nations are experiencing revival. It's not getting covered by the media and praise God. I'm grateful for it. I don't need it to be covered by the media because that makes it all the more powerful, right? That just means the Lord is just doing it on his own. No one's finding out about it and going to be a part of it. It's just happening because the spirit of God is moving. But he speaks that, that vision through Carrie. And then we see days later, just days later, we see the result of personal pursuit and how it ushered in the Spirit of God that consumed an entire city and an entire nation. Because of a group of 30, and in that group of 30, one kid stood up in obedience and worship unto the Lord. And it transformed a nation. And it ushered in the next great move of God in our midst. Personal pursuit. Personal praise brought about revival. And we had understanding before it even happened. Think about the, what the Lord has spoken to us. How long ago was it that we were anointed to be the fourth pillar in the next great move of God? Ten years ago? Twelve years ago? It was the first time Rhea and Amanda came. The first time? Yeah, I believe so. Because when I came, that anointing was already here. And I came eight years ago. Okay, well, it's been probably 12. Yeah, 10, 12 years ago, the Lord spoke this. 
And we've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and now we have understanding. Right? The Lord brought understanding before we needed understanding. He's a good God. He does it, but we are not owed it. And that's important. To live in this place of any understanding, any explanation he offers is a gift, not a right. I haven't earned it. I'm not guaranteed it. But he loves to inform us of the things that he's doing. He wants us to be a part of it. It's important to recognize that. It's not a reciprocity relationship. He gives because he loves. He still gives these things. And in looking at understanding and the lack of it that exists in the church today, that then gets, because there's a lack of understanding, something ends up filling the void. And what ends up filling the void is man's explanation of what God is doing absent the spirit of God, right? We, instead of allowing the spirit to reveal down to the nature of God and his heart and how he's moving, what do we do? We take our experiences with man and we reason it up to what the Lord is doing. And then we have this contorted, manipulated, awful image that is not accurate as to what the Lord's doing. And then we lead the church based on that image. That's a lack of understanding. But why, again, is there a lack of understanding in the people of God? And it just became very clear, like I said, to remember that line, the lifting of your whole self to him, the offering of all you are to all he is. And then recognizing that what happens in praise, that it is a navigational tool, it is GPS through the heart of God. Praise will always place us where we need to be able to receive what the Lord has to give to us in that moment. Praise will always put us in a place where we can see clearly and hear accurately as to what the Lord is doing and how he's moving. So praise being a navigational tool. And then looking again at why we lack understanding, the people of God lack understanding. It's simply because we do not offer all of ourselves to him. We offer part of ourselves. And we've practiced this. We as a church have practiced how to reserve yourself in giving yourself to the Lord. Again, I, I, have, I have testimony of this. When, when I was saved, I, I was saved as a kid, but when the Lord got hold of me and my faith became my own in college through some really uh, dark stuff, and I remember just being on fire for the Lord, and I came to my home church uh, in Katy, Texas, and I was just worshiping the Lord. I was lifting up my hands. I was moving. I was just worshiping the Lord. And afterwards, the pastor came up to me, and asked if I was okay. Like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm great. He's like, well, looked like something got a hold of you a little bit. It's kind of freaking people out. I'm like, there's like 6,000 people in here. It, was a mega, it is a mega church. And you're worried about that kid doing this? That was it, man. That was it. That was too much. It's too crazy. We have, we have in church as well, I've, I've seen this, I've had discussions with people about this, and they've not liked the answer that I've had, and they've stopped coming to church here. Um, they've, they've shown up after worship. Oh, I don't, I don't really care for the singing and stuff. I, I'm just there for the teaching. They're like, uh-oh. Well, I don't know what to tell you. You're not in a place to receive whatever revelation the Lord has through the teaching if you're cutting off a piece of the experience, a part of the journey that the Lord has set up and established through his body. We are meant to corporately praise the Lord together. 
and to rob yourself of that. Again, and we, we have this. And, and one of the things that Melissa and I are working through with our children's ministry is teaching our kids freedom in worship. How to be free in worship. How to be free in praise. How to express themselves freely. You all remember when Eliza was here? Before she went to college, she danced every Sunday up here. Every Sunday. How many of us would have been like, stop that? Maybe a long time ago, but now if someone came, comes in and starts dancing, are any of you going to go up and say, that's not what we do here? No. You better not, or, or you'll deal with me. But the reason that would even happen it's because we have followed the model of praise and worship that we've seen our entire lives. And unfortunately, what we've seen our entire lives is a withholding of ourselves to the Lord during praise. During the entirety of our life, we just see it reflected in that moment. You want to know where somebody is with the Lord? Again, this is two of the main things that we've talked about. Prayer and worship. You want to see the depths? You want to know where somebody is with their relationship with God? You will see it by the measure of depth in their prayer and in their worship, the way they live their life, the way they converse with the Lord. You will see, I, I know Ibby pretty well. And you would probably be able to tell that we know each other pretty well if you just sat around and listened to us have a conversation. Prayer and, and worship are so dependent on relationship with God. Of course, they can't exist without a relationship with the Lord. They have to have a relationship with the Lord. And the deeper the relationship, the more profound the prayer and worship life. Worship is abandonment of self and obedience to what the Lord speaks. And if I have a deep relationship with God, that means the level of obedience that I'm willing to walk in is going to be greater. Is it not? Absolutely. It's going to be greater. My kids are finding that out right now. As they're, as they're growing up and they're maturing, they're figuring out this relationship between myself and them. And my boys, they're stubborn like their daddy. And they think that when I tell them not to do something, it's because I don't want them to have any fun, right? But what are they finding out the hard way now? That the reason I speak to them and I instruct them is for their well-being, not their detriment. Liam is, is the one that finds this out the hardest, right? Uh, over the summer, it, it was, hey, stop playing with the ladder. You're going to hurt your finger. You're going to pinch your fingers because he kept closing it and taking it and opening it up just because he could. And what did he do? Busted his finger, ripped his fingernail off. Told him to stop riding his bike about the, around the electric hot fence that we had on, on one of our pastures. So what did he do? He got clotheslined by it and ripped open his gums. Yeah, he ate a hot wire fence, so that was cool. Don't jump on the bed because you're going to hurt yourself. So what does he do? Jumps on the bed, cracks his head open on the windowsill. He's figuring it out. And our relationship is deepening. He's beginning to understand when my dad is speaking, I need to listen. Because it's for my well-being, not for so that I sit in my room and I'm bored. That, that's not the life that we live in my house. It's not a boring one. And this is what the Lord offers to us. And this is what we're trying to do with our kids here in worship. We're trying to teach them freedom in worship. But the thing is, is they will always reflect what has been modeled for them. And if we're not operating in freedom, 
they will, they will understand a false freedom. Right? As we did. All of us in here have experienced that. I grew up in church. And I'm telling you, the hardest thing to unlearn was a false freedom. A legalistic freedom. A rigorous, heavily structured freedom. Freedom is not heavily structured, is it? It's not freedom if that's what it is. If it's a thin line that you've got to walk and if you deviate from it, you're severely punished. That's not freedom. But that's the freedom that we've adopted in the church because of a lack of understanding, because there's a lack of un- there's a lack of relationship and a lack of offering ourselves to the Lord. Proverbs 11, 24 says one gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched and the one who waters will himself be watered. We are made for the Lord. We know this to be true. We've read it in Colossians time and time again that the Lord made all things through him and for him. And who's included in the all things? We are included in the all things. He is made. We are made for him. We are completely and totally made for him. And it's important to understand that. But all of yourself is made for him, not simply part of yourself. And I would just bring you to this example that we've talked about time and time again. We're meant to exist in the overflow. If you're a cup, you are meant to exist in the overflow. And so what does that mean? You're meant to be under the faucet, which is the spirit of God, the river, a living water that flows from the throne of God. You're meant to stand and be under it, abiding, remaining in. As Jesus talks about in John 15, that's what it looks like to remain in him is to remain under the faucet. And it would overflow and you would not exist within the cup, but you would exist outside of the cup. And if you're existing outside of the cup, you're existing in abundance always and forever. Right. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful design. But how can a cup be filled if the lid remains on top of the opening? If I'm trying to fill it up through the through the little straw hole on the lid, it's going to take a while. And then it won't ever overflow very much. It'll trickle out, but that'll be the end of it. And that's what it is to offer a part of yourself to the Lord. It's this closed nozzle that only allows a drip or a drop at a time. And unfortunately, we have applied that to the way we worship the Lord in musical praise. We, we talk a lot, and it's, it's, been a, it's been a cool thing to see in society because it's applicable to the church, but there's it's just becoming common knowledge to understand what your love languages are, right? To just know. It's really important for for married couples, for any couple to know what the other's love language is because that's how they're going to receive love and that's also how they're going to give love the best, right? It brings understanding. And so I would ask this, as we saw with Eliza, her love language to the Lord, what was it? It was dance. My love language to the Lord in praise. What is it? Beating on them with sticks. That's what I do. That's my prayer language. That's my love language unto God. But how many of us in the church, when that first downbeat happens, when that first note, when that first word is sung, understand the love language and the free expression that we naturally are created to express to the Lord during that time? How many of us actually understand that? How many of us have taken the opportunity to allow the Spirit of God to lead us into that during praise and worship? We haven't. We don't. Right? The two foundational things, prayer and worship, are the two things that we as Christians are the most uncomfortable with. 
If I asked on Sunday, I need somebody to open us up in prayer, there would not be a lot of volunteers. Oh, they'd get scared. They'd get nervous. And I've known people that for a long time, it's like, when asked to pray, no. Well, why not? I'm not praying. I'm not praying out loud. And what we're, what were we pointing at? Even in a small group. I'm not talking about big auditorium because that's one thing. I'm talking about just in a small group of people, family, dear ones, loved ones that know each other well. There's no judgment in those places. There was, there was an insecurity. There was a lack of depth in the relationship with the Lord. And that exposed it right then and there. I was one, I'm speaking from experience. I'm speaking from experience. I remember so often, I know all of us can relate to this, when asked to pray and I felt like I needed to pray because of the position I was holding and I would start to pray and I would get done and be like, that was really stupid. That was a crappy prayer. Parker, you're dumb. What were you even saying? I don't even know if what you were saying was scriptural. You're just talking. Right? And what was that? That was a lack of maturity in my relationship with the Lord reflected in those moments. And it's the same with praise. We as Christians... As children of God, have neglected the things that He has designed to bring us deeper into Him. Those are the two things that we as Christians are the most uncomfortable with in church. Why do you think they started turning out lights during worship? Why is that a common thing now? The lights came later. The fancy smoke machines, that all came later. That didn't start with the lights out. The lights went out because what we were trying to do, create a more intimate environment. Did the lights up or down determine intimacy? No. But what do they do? They cover up insecurity. And we've, 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 we sell that as Christians. There's a lack of of understanding there's a lack of maturity and there's a lack of uh, value in praise and worship. Revelation that has come in this house that has brought us great and powerful understanding often, again, before it was even needed, came as a result of one or a few offering all of themselves to him, worship in abandonment to self completely, and praise, and with all of that, found themselves right where they needed to be to receive what the Lord had for them. Praise, in those moments of praise, a navigational tool. So uh, a lot of things that Jay has learned and Jay teaches and songs that Jay has written came from him coming up here on Friday nights and praising the Lord by himself. A lot of the songs that he's written came out of those places. A lot of that came out of those places. Uh, so much revelation has come. I mean, how many times has somebody come up here on stage in the middle of service to offer a prophetic word or a, a word of knowledge, revelation to this house? I can't even count them. It's happened so many times, right? And they've all come out of moments of praise. That's important to recognize. It's navigational. It puts us in the place to where we can see the heart of God where it is right now in that very moment. And it's neglected by the church. But again, it also, not just, being, not just recognizing that praise is navigational, uh, 
but recognizing that praise can only be fully what it is in a navigational tool and understanding and seeing and wading deeper into the heart of God if we are willing to give ourselves completely to it. Completely to it. And that has often, that has been my prayer for this house. Is that we would experience freedom, complete and total freedom as Jesus intended. Because what does that look like? We have, we, have a, we have, maybe we have some examples of what that looks like. When a group of people, we have a really great one right now that's just happened. But what happens when a group of people experience the freedom for which he set us free? All together in unity. Profound and powerful things every single time. And we have the opportunity as a church because of this beautiful design and meeting every single week to do that together every single week, at least once a week. And what does that do for a community? Because a group of 30 did it. And a city was overwhelmed by the outpouring of the Spirit. And now the nations are overwhelmed by the outpouring of the Spirit because one group experienced the freedom for which he set us free. They're willing to engage fully in praise, offering all of themselves, not a piece of themselves. And at the end of the day, is that the freedom that we want our children to know? That you only offer a part of yourself to God? Or do we want them to understand what it is, the freedom that he actually set us free for? fullness because my dream and my desire is that we will have kids that walk up on stage and prophesy led by the spirit kids that will dream dreams kids I mean just think about it for a second just dream with me for a second if a child was led by the spirit and laid hands on John's souls and that's what got him out of the chair it doesn't have to be one of us all we need to do is steward the freedom this is something that we've been talking about as a worship team. Is that, though, that everyone out here will experience the freedom that we ourselves are willing to wade into. And if we're not willing to go into this freedom, how can we lead anybody else into it? But that is the job of praise and worship is to lead people into freedom. Deeper and deeper freedom. Profound things. Ushering in the spirit of God and where the spirit of the Lord is. There's freedom. Praise will only ever be understood in the fullness of its design from the heart of God towards us if we give all of ourselves to it. And if we are not willing to give all of ourselves to it, you will only ever understand in part. And now is the time for the people of God when everything is shaking. That was one of the most beautiful things about the pandemic. There were a lot of hard and horrible things that happened. But something beautiful that the Lord did, he worked this for our good as he shook everything that needed to shake so that we would recognize where our faith needed to be rooted in and what it didn't need to be rooted in, right? Every solid foundation that we thought we had started crumbling to the ground pretty quick. <laughs> everything we had pride in just all of a sudden is like, well, that's kind of worthless. I just see it now. The cloak has come off and I see what's behind the curtain. It's not pretty. The Lord did that and that was a beautiful thing. That we would have a right understanding. We would have an opportunity to see him clearly 
and fully and understand that the things, the things that he has for us. He allowed us this beautiful and great reset that we could just take a step back and realize I'm looking at the wrong things and then turn to him. I mean, he started it completely over. There were months where there was not a single person that gathered in this in the sanctuary. The Lord did that on purpose. Because when we came back, we needed to come back, not because it was a routine, but because we were hungry to engage the spirit of God together as a people. And what is that? What has happened? That's exactly what has happened for a long time. How many Sundays were there? Five, ten people in here tops. But they were five or ten hungry people. And now what's happening? It's rebuilding with new faces, some older faces, not in age, just in wisdom, just in wisdom, just in wisdom. That's all I'm doing. Experience faces and then new faces. I got a, I got a text today from a former student. Like I was saying earlier that that uh, it's just ready for deeper and profound things. They've just encountered the Lord on their own where they're at and the Spirit of God has a hold of them and they're coming in hot. Newness, who came to us from Uganda where there's massive revival taking place right now, is now joining our worship team. Profound things that the Lord is doing, rebuilding. And it came out of that season. And all of the teachings that have come from that place have been a rebuilding, a re-solidifying of the foundation that we can make sure that we're building our house upon the correct rock, the solid foundation and not upon the shore. And he is reteaching us things. And I say reteaching us. A lot of this I have not considered with prayer and worship until he's brought the revelation to me before I bring it to you. A lot of this he is growing me just a few weeks before I preach these messages an understanding of what prayer really is, what its real design was for, the, the profoundness of it, the recognition and the, and the revitalizing and the reimportance, the re-recognizing of how significant it is to fast. That Jesus didn't teach, in his first lesson, by the way, he taught about fasting. Pay attention to those things. If Jesus is perfect theology, we should be doing the things he did. Right. He taught about praise. He taught about worship. He taught about prayer and re-recognizing the importance of these things, allowing these foundational tools and truths to be learned, maybe relearned or learned for the first time that we could then move forward with a right understanding. And imagine this building a house, building a church in this community with a group of people that exist in fullness of freedom when they come and they praise the Lord together. What comes out of that place? Because out of one, in a hotel room, we have understanding about what's happening globally. Imagine what happens when 30, 40, 50, 60 people engage the Lord with that freedom and praise over one small community of 1,200. What comes from that? Powerful things, mighty things. And we have desired and we've articulated in this house that we desire the deeper things of God, the things of God, the pieces of his heart that no one's yet wandered into. How does that happen if we don't give ourselves fully to him? 
And praise is an opportunity to do that every Sunday. In your home, in your car, as you're driving, praise is an opportunity to give yourself fully to him. And in that, you will find yourself exactly where you need to be in position to receive blessing, revelation, and profound vision of what the Lord is doing and where he's taking us. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.